You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. If you brought your Bibles this morning, let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be reading from verse 16 through to 20 out of the book of Matthew uh, chapter 10. For those who don't know, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Book of Matthew chapter 10. I want to preach you a sermon entitled The Father's Spirit out of the book of Matthew chapter 10. There was a, a man that was uh, shocked just recently after he discovered that the dog that he thought was a husky turned out to be a wild beast, a coyote, wild coyote. This man accidentally hit this dog driving towards work and stopped to thinking, thinking that it was somebody's pet. He ushered the animal into the back of his car and continued to work. After work, he journeyed to the vet to try to get the necessary treatment that this dog would require. And the vet that was responding realized it wasn't a dog it was a vicious wild coyote now these animals have been known to attack humans what's interesting is that mr borodovsky said that while the dog was in the back to calm it down he was patting it he was looking after it and uh, this wild coyote that has been prone to react viciously and attack humans was very gentle and kind. Now, I read that and I thought about how that is very much like life. That in and amongst the circumstances that we're situated in, we can find ourselves looking after something that could very easily turn on us. The circumstances of life, we've all felt betrayals, we've all felt uh, heartache and, uh, and uh, uh, backstab, been backstab, been spoken about uh, uh, horribly. And it reminds me of that story where here is this man, he's thinking he's doing something good, when all the while this wild coyote could have very easily <laughs> grabbed him, bitten back. But that's a picture of life. And the passage of Scripture we're about to read this morning, Jesus highlights the reality of this. Jesus is sending the disciples into the world to bring the hope to all mankind. And no doubt the hope that would touch the nations and restore the people that God created back to himself. But what Jesus began to highlight is that every, not everyone that you preach this good news to you will receive it with open arms. Not everyone that you tell that you are now a Christian is going to be very happy for you and receive you with open arms. And so I want to preach to you a, a sermon entitled The Father's Spirit uh, out of the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 through to 20. Uh, the Bible says uh, these words, Behold, I send you out 
as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake and my name's sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they delivered you up, do not worry about how or what you will speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The Spirit of the Father. The Father's Spirit. I want to look firstly this this morning and focus on the wolves. Now something we learn very easily in life is that life isn't easy, right? From a very young age, you'll realize that even in the playground at kindergarten, kids can be horrible. Kids can be so mean. And this is why as parents, you're doing everything in your, you know, uh, everything that you can to secure that your children, if they're getting bullied uh, or if they're getting uh, uh, picked on, that they would uh, come out of it resilient. And so as parents, uh, you try to shepherd them. You try to help them in any manner that you can. Uh, this is the heart of a parent. Why? Because we realize the older that we get that life isn't easy. It has its own trials and tribulations. Now that's why I'm always very fascinated at how sometimes parents can cause their children's lives to be more difficult than it should be. How many know life's hard enough? Don't make it more difficult, right? I read an article of the worst kids' names parents have named their children. I want to read to you a couple of them. One decided to name their child Mason. And the reason for it was because it was Mason when she had him. Mason. Not amazing. Mason. This child's Mason. There was another parent that decided to name their twins, born Amer and Rika, which can be put together as America. One decided to name their child Amy, but spelt it E-I-G-H-M-E-Y. It's three letters, Amy. Why are we stretching this out? Another decided to name their child Semaj, which is James backwards. <laughs> Three brothers by the name of Courage, Galantry, and then Tom. <laughs> Life's hard enough. Don't set your child up for a lifetime of being bullied and picked on. Listen, the trials and tribulations will come. It's better for you to be able to process them in the best way possible. Now, if life isn't going to be fair, 
We know this. We understand this. It comes with its own trials and tribulations. But here is something that Jesus highlights to his disciples. He says, I'm going to send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, this is the first part of our scripture. Jesus highlights this reality that not everyone in life is going to like you. Not everyone in life you're going to be best friends with. You aren't always going to have a great time every time you go out and you meet someone. This is not just all in relationships. This bleeds out into marriage. That not every day in marriage is going to be blissful. You'll, you'll one day realize that the person that you married maybe isn't the same person of that many years ago. Things change. Married sometime, you find out he isn't the Prince Charming you dated years ago. That he doesn't, he forgot your birthday or he doesn't buy you the same presents. But time has changed or maybe you're married for some time. You discovered she isn't this petite bundle of joy all the time. She has the tendency to bite sometimes. Things happen. Sometimes you realize that these people that are close to you can hurt you. Some do it mistakenly, others do it deliberately. The Old Testament story is of a quarrel of uh, two characters. And the Bible says that uh, it was between a man by the name of Nabal and David. Uh, Nabal was a man that ultimately was a fool. And it was a fight between a fool and a warrior, much like a boxing match between us and Mike Tyson. It wouldn't last longer than 30 seconds. Why? Because he's a trained killing machine and you have no experience. And so the Bible says that this man was a fool. And when it came to a time where David's servants, who had been looking after his flock and his city and his area, this neighbor rose up and began to offend David's men, and therefore offending David himself. Listen to the heart of Nabal. He says uh, uh, to David's servants, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. And so he's offending David. David is saying, we looked after your city. We looked after your flocks. And here you are. We want a blessing. We want you to look after us for a bit. And he just absolutely shuts them down and says, you know what? You're you're a nobody to me. This was a deliberate act. He was a fool that literally was picking a fight with a warrior. He had no understanding. And this is the picture of life. Many times you'll do something for someone. You'll help them out. You'll reach out to them. You'll read them bedtime stories and they'll still let you down. They'll say things that are offensive. They'll do things just like sheep in the midst of wolves where you feel, I thought we were friends. I thought you had my back, but you've betrayed me. You've let me down. You've offended me. The truth is, is that wolves don't live long. They die alone and fearful, not knowing who to trust. And that's just the nature of it. And Jesus said, that's 
life. That things will happen to you. People will rob you. People will take advantage of you. Because that's the nature of man. But what you need to be aware of is while you are sheep in the midst of wolves, the trick is not to become a wolf in the process. That while someone may offend you, that you don't then go on the rampage to get them back and be a wolf. You're supposed to be a sheep and remain a sheep. You know how many know that you can get bitten and all of a sudden it's like, now I'm going to bite you back. You offended me. You said something. You let me down. And I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And all in the process of that, Jesus said, you're sheep. And now we can become wolves because of how we begin to process the circumstances of life. This is known as reactive Christianity. We are called to be proactive, not pessimist, not always looking for the worst, but at the same time not naive to the strategies and the realities of life. That there are people that could eventually rip you off and let you down. People betray, people say things and not consider your feelings. And this happens to us. But note that we are all prone to reacting and becoming wolves ourselves. This is why it's imperative to monitor how we react. This is imperative this is imperative now that we check our hearts, that when we come to church, it's more than just uh, singing a few songs and listening to a sermon. It's making sure that I'm not turning into a wolf while uh, I am experiencing the realities of life. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We're being challenged every single day of our lives. Listen to me. You may have a boss that's from the spawn of Satan. You may, have a, you may be in a marriage that is difficult. You may have children that are rising up in rebellion. Listen to me. Don't bite back. Don't become a wolf. But stay faithful to what Jesus Christ is made true to you. The tendency to be a wolf. But I want to look secondly at our nature. Now as you read the scripture, we have to be very careful that we don't begin to adapt into animal spirit manifestations. This is not Jesus saying, you know what, you need to harness the bear inside of you. You know, some people are like, I've got a spirit of a bear. No, you just like to eat a lot and sleep a lot. Uh, you know, you, you're not, that's not the spirit of a bear. By the way, bear, uh, you know, bears eat berries, okay? Most of their diet is berries, okay? So that's, that's not what you're eating, uh, and that doesn't make up for it. It's not a opportunity to begin to harness the spirit of an animal. The truth is, is that Jesus wants you to focus on the approach when it comes to the circumstances of life. Difficult situations will, you'll be faced with. How you approach them is going to determine what happens through that circumstance. Matthew, our text in verse 16, Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harm as doves. Two animals that are mentioned in this, serpents 
and doves. And we're going to look at these and try to break these down. The first being a serpent. Now, nobody likes to be called a snake. That's not a compliment. You know what? Your character is much like a snake. Why? Because snakes are sneaky, they're crafty, they're mysterious. It is an ancient animal that no doubt you have uh, uh, cultures that use snakes as charming. They, uh, they, uh, 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 they worship them, they do all types of things uh, when it comes to snakes. Snakes, the only good snake is a dead snake. Can anybody say amen? But here is Jesus is saying something very powerful and very unique that can be attributed to a snake. This snake, while it is very mysterious and crafty and it has a venomous bite to be able to either asphyxiate or actually pour venom into them to capture their prey, its downfall is very simple. It has no legs and it has no arms. In other words, if you are a snake catcher, and like there are many in Australia, the way to immobilize a snake is by what? Picking it up by its tail. Immediately a snake has no arms to go, oh, that's okay, I still got my arms, I'm going to take you down. The moment you pick up a snake, it cannot kick you. It cannot hit you. It is immobilized so long as you keep it a distance away from you. And so here is this snake that immediately can be immobilized. And so what Jesus, I believe, is saying, the wisdom of the snake is the ability to be able to get somebody else to be your hands and feet. In other words, here is a circumstance where you are faced with, you don't know how to do this, and so you, through words, are able to say something to get somebody else to do your heavy lifting. Let me try to give you an example of this. I could be in bed, ready for sleep, and I'll hear these soft words. Honey, could you be a darling and get me a drink of water? I'm going to be my wife's hands and feet. She's got hands and feet. She could do it. My wife is so wise. She's harnessed that scripture. Wise as serpents. And we've all met people like that. You know what? I've heard that you make the best cup of tea, hands down. And you think... Really? You know what I mean? It's like all you have to do is go, nonna, we got, no, my nonna, she makes the best lasagna. And when you say it, she hears it, she's there like that, thanks, straight away. The lasagna, there it is, right there. Come on, sit down, right? Immediately, you didn't pick up anything, not one ingredient, but through wisdom, right? Your words were there creating somebody else to be your hands and your feet. Here is the law of first mentioned, the serpent in the garden. He did not grab the apple or the forbidden fruit and shove it in the face of Adam and Eve. He just looked and said, surely you will not die. Just taste. Just have a little taste. 
And it was the woman who then saw, took, ate, and gave to her husband, which created the fall of man. And so here you have to recognize being wise in speech is so important as a Christian. Your ability to articulate your words, to say things that would not come back and bite you, to say things that would not come back and destroy you. Your ability to be very diplomatic with words is why I appreciate my pastor, Pastor Payne. His ability, I'll just call him up and say, this is my circumstance, this is my situation. What do I say? Because I know what I want to say. And I know it's not going to be good. What do I say? How do I say it so I don't sound rude and obnoxious? You'll learn this during witnessing. You can either stand on the corners and tell people they're going straight to hell... Or you could say that everyone's going to hell unless they repent and turn from their sin. It's a wise approach, right? You could say Allah is dead and he is false and all of a sudden you have all the Muslims in the area coming and assaulting you. Or you could say there is no God but one, right? Your ability to draw people to yourself with wise speech when, uh, you know, let's bring it you know, back into the marriage. When your wife asks you, do I look fat in this dress? You can either say, yes, you look frumpy. Or you could say, that dress doesn't sit on you nicely. And so you shift from your wife to the dress. It's the dress's problem. The seamstress didn't get it right. And immediately, oh, that is a terrible dress, isn't it? Nothing wrong with you, honey. You are delicious. Something's wrong with that dress. It doesn't compliment you, right? Husbands, you're welcome. But it's your ability to say things, right? We all know people that just, you know what, I just got to speak my mind. Well, I tell you what, you have no friends. I just couldn't help myself. I just had to, you know, it's like, that's not being wise as a serpent. Secondly, Jesus describes the approach of a dove. Now, this is something that Christians can take to an extreme. As a Christian, as a male Christian, I don't like to be seen as a pushover. Christians many times can be seen as one, well, you've got to turn the other cheek, and so you've just got to be a pushover and get used to this life, and don't ever fight back because that's, that's what Christianity is all about. you just being a pushover and just taking it. Jesus uses the description of a dove, and this dove is a signal of peace, it's a signal of being harmless or innocent. Now, remember, we're putting in using somebody else's hands and feet and now being like, what, me? I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? It wasn't me. I was over here. And so here Jesus uses the appearance. Now, appearances are, are very, very, intri- are, are very profound. This is why we 
dress up because we are mindful of our appearances. There are things that we put on that complement and would bring out the best of us. And this is why many times criminals, when they go to court, they shave their beards, they cover their tattoos, they make sure they put on a nice suit, shirt and tie. Why? Because they're trying to cover something up. It's the appearance, right? We must be aware of this. Because body language something that can be very much underestimated your body gives you away some people wear their hearts on their sleeve they're emotional they get upset and offended easily and immediately it's like oh i just uh, had the worst day ever really there are people starving all around the world you had the worst day ever Right? It's this whole, like, what did Jesus say when you're fasting? Oh, I'm, I'm not eating for Jesus because I just love Jesus so much. Oh, yeah, you know. Oh, you're eating? Oh, well, you know, I just love Jesus too much to eat. Right? <laughs> what are you doing? That's not the appearance, right? In other words, when you're doing something for Jesus, you be confident, your shoulders back, no problem. It, I, I'm not going to wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm going to, you know what? God's on the throne. You may be going through the most difficult times of your life, but you, some people, you can't even tell. You've got scars where the devil has assaulted and done so many things, but you're wearing, you're robed with what Christ has given you. And so therefore, you know what? It's innocence. Delivered. You know, when wolves come across doves, they're just looking for a reaction. Someone's trying to get in your face and poke your buttons. Ah, well, I thought you said that your God loved you. How come? How come you got a speeding fine? Huh? Oh, I thought that, you know. You lost your job? Oh, I thought Jesus loves you and you got no job now. What happened? You know, the best reaction when you're in the being assaulted by a wolf is just always to smile, isn't it? Yeah, I thought you said Jesus loves you. He does. He really does. Yeah, I mean, just smile. I mean, nothing upsets people more. Why are you so happy? You should be down and out. Why? Because Jesus said, be as wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it says, and Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy body, soul, and body in hell. Both body, soul, uh, soul and body in hell. Think about that. It's that we're here to please our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's imperative that we be mindful when we're faced with trials and tribulations. That we're not going to say things that are going to incriminate. We're not going to do things that, that would come back and, and bite us. But rather, we're going to stand in the confidence that Jesus Christ has healed, delivered, set me free. He's said things. It may have not come to pass right now. It may not be evident now, but I'm expecting it to happen. And that remains my confidence. That's my nature. 
That's what I know to be true, and that's what I'm going to hold fast to. So let's look thirdly, and in closing, at the right spirit, because Jesus points out that this is uh, the spirit of the Father, right? That immediately as you begin to face so many difficulties uh, and stand firm, uh, not reacting to the provocative things that are said, not saying things that incriminate you, but rather staying firm on what Jesus Christ has taught you, uh, we emanate the right spirit. The point of this sermon is that every situation is redeemable. And it has to do with your approach. There was a big trend years ago that had a little uh, arm bracelet you would put on your uh, wrist uh, and it read WWJD. How many remember that, right? What would Jesus do? And this was a, uh, you know, very uh, served as a, as a helpful, helpful reminder through every circumstance of life, right? You're faced uh, in a difficult situation. You're finding yourself emotional, whatever it may be. Uh, you would look at this bracelet. What would Jesus do? Uh, and you would then check yourself. Now, back in our opening illustration, here is this predator dog uh, coyote uh, that at any moment could turn on this man uh, even after helping him even after rescuing him and bite him but this man's approach was with care was with help and as a result was able to pat this dog and calm him down uh, until finally taking it to a place where it could be helped it was his approach that disarmed this wild coyote. It was his approach that caused this violent animal that could very instinctively bite him to just be demobilized or immobilized. So Jesus essentially challenges all of us. When faced with times of persecution and difficulties, it's crucial we maintain the right spirit. You know, you could be right and not be righteous, right? We could say things that offend people. Earlier, just this morning, we were talking about uh, Christmas Day service and how we're going to be faced with uh, the predicament of our family saying, well, we have Christmas lunch uh, and uh, we would like you to be there, but there is a Christmas Day service and your ability to not offend your family in this time is going to be crucial. You know, to say, you know what, mom and dad, I know you're going to hell, but I'm not, uh, and so I'm going to be in church, uh, and I'm going to serve Jesus Christ, and if I feel like coming for lunch, uh, then I'm going to be there. You're just going to ruin things. Your approach, your right spirit, Mom, Dad, I love you. I'm going to be there as soon as I can. I've just got to be in the house of God on the Lord's birthday. But I'm going to be there. Save me a spot. I want some turkey. I want some ham. I want some of this. Mom's favorite. You put it on plate. I'm going to eat it up and you'll be, you know, we're going to have a great time. Don't underestimate the power of being under the influence of the Spirit of the Father. That is what Jesus is challenging us. 
To have that right spirit in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means that this Bible wasn't written by man. It wasn't man's opinion. It was the inspiration of God. That's why everything in this is applicable to our everyday life. It is the spirit of God that is living in these pages. And the more that you digest this book... The more that you read the pages, the more that you apply what is happening in these texts, the more that you become filled with the Spirit of the Father. This is where we get our doctrine. This is where we get standards. This is where we get our instructions. This wasn't man-made. This was put in place by the inspiration of God. When Moses went back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh uh, to let the gods, uh, God's people go, uh, he went by the inspiration of the word of God. In Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 10, Come now, therefore, I will send you uh, to Pharaoh that you may bring uh, my people, the children of Israel, out of, out of Egypt. Here is God saying to Moses, I'm sending you. I have given you the words. I'm going to be the driving force for you to confront the most powerful man in the world. And you are going to see a great victory. This was going to be a testimony of the one true God that needs to be worshipped. We need to pray for the inspiration of the Father. Being filled with the Spirit of the Father. The, what it means to be Christ-like. You know, whenever we're challenged in our Christian walk, there are so many Christians that say, well, it's okay to do this and still be a Christian. I question it with just one thing. Is that the Spirit of the Father? Is that the Father's Spirit? Did Jesus Christ come and die on the cross? Just so we could live a compromising and controversial Christian life. I don't feel that that's right. There are so many areas, and I know that the Bible doesn't list every single sin. Does the Bible say you can smoke marijuana? Why did he create it then? You know, does the what? where does it say? Where does it say thou shalt not drink a corona a day? Listen to me. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of intoxication. I didn't hear a big enough amen, but that's all right. That's cool. We'll just we'll just continue. Right? It's a simple thing. You can come to the clubs. Let's go dance. I'm not having a fit. I was trying to dance. Just ask a simple question. Is the spirit of the father in that place? Amongst the... Yeah. No. The apps on your phone. The spirit of the Father in those apps. Dating websites. Or, yeah, well, it's Christian, single, and ready to mingle. No. (laughs) The spirit of the Father's not in that. It bleeds out into how we how we dress and what we say and how we look, how we present ourselves. Are you carrying the Spirit of the Father? Why? Because this is what Jesus said is imperative. This is a challenge, church. Because it's easy to be a Christian amongst other Christians. 
It's a discipline to leave this place and try to apply what the Word of God has spoken to us about and maintain the Spirit of the Father. But this can be still achieved. Your ability to act on what God inspires you to do or react on what your emotions tell you to do. This gives you the upper hand. Your ability to respond in the spirit of our Father rather than recoil with the fear of what others say establishes godly dominion and authority in your life. Every single day you're going to be challenged, but it is imperative that you react and respond in the likeness of the Father. In closing, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted at the weakest point of his ministry, weakest point of his life. What you discover of that time in the wilderness is that Jesus was filled with the word of God, that every temptation that Satan put towards him, he responds with the word of God. This is our challenge, that even in our weakness, with Jesus in our lives, we can be made strong. Remember, what we have is the spirit of our Father inside of us, our Heavenly Father. And that weapon alone trumps every other weapon. You do everything in your power. You be disciplined. Jesus said, yes, there are wolves. People will provoke you. People will say things. But be wise as a serpent and gentle or harmless as a dove. Why? Because you don't want to turn out like them. And remove yourself from the blessings that God has. The challenge, be disciplined. The challenge is to maintain the spirit of our Father in our lives. So that on that day we would not be removed from God's blessings. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments.